2: The Around the NFL podcast is bringing in Tim Tebow for a workout.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Monday. Mark?
1: Hello. Good to see
3: you. (laughs) How's your Monday going, Marky? (laughs) Uh, It's fine. Marky Mark.
1: Got the the brilliant six a.m. start thanks to Ooh. <laughs> new leader David Ely. Should wow. we,
3: it's getting to the point. Maybe we need to get Ely up here. Maybe I thought to you always liked the grievances. six o'clock.
4: Well, you like six thirty. You like six thirty? No, you like the early starts. If you say so, Greg. <laughs> Back in the you're day, you're in charge, buddy. I'm not in charge.
3: You um, once was. Once, Once upon a time, um, I right. did
4: enjoy that I I sent something about the Bosa extension, uh, I mean the Bosa signing, spoiler alert. making us ponder the meaninglessness of uh, of life, and multiple people responded that they thought Cessler had taken over my account.
3: Wow. Interesting. Mark, how about that? That You kind of have... You own it's like what? Honor. It's like
4: what? I can't make an existential claim? I, I agree with you, Greg. I, I want to be like, on that corner too. Well, I think that we
1: all at this point basically speak exactly in exactly the same way and are starting to tweet in exactly the same way. So... I you know, notice it's, it's, wrong, it's wrong to say that Greg says something that should be someone else. We've spent
3: certain. so much time together now over the years. Like, I was reading a What We Learned last week that Wes wrote the lead, and there was something like a, a comprehensive failure. That, that's like a Sesslerism as well. Mm-hmm. Sessler loves comprehensive.
4: Sessler's got a lot of influence.
1: I did not come up with the word comprehensive, though. I'm sure Wes had heard of that word <laughs> previous to
5: us meetings. So. Mark Mark has a wonderful way with language. Some of that does seep into all, all of our consciousness, whatever. But comprehensive is a word I've been using since I was.
3: A child. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Mark, has your uh, ego been stroked enough at the top of the show?
5: I don't. I didn't ask
1: for any of this.
3: Uh, today is uh, yes, the Monday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored uh, by no one. Uh, but here's the thing: beloved by you know some people,
5: beholden to no one.
3: Yeah, that was a little rough. Uh, nice show today. Nice and si- simple. Keeping it nice and simple. In honor of the end of the TD era, we're going to do a tight 54 today. That's the goal. I'm going to write it down right now. Week three of the preseason recap. Uh, we'll go through all of the games that took place from Friday through Sunday, uh, which, well, there were four on Thursday, right? Two. Two. Four teams, that's what I meant. That, that would be Got that plan. right. So 16 minus two, 14 games to talk about. Nailed it. Home how, run. How many teams is that, though? Oh, no. <laughs> <14th> <laughs> Pretty easy. <laughs> times two, 28 teams. Nailed it. Nailed it. So we'll talk about all of those uh, 28 teams and what's going on in the league. Uh, and we will also uh, talk about what's going on uh, in the news with some uh, injury, a big injury update. uh to talk about, uh, as well as a big NFL controversy. So that is today's show. uh, Before we get going, I want to say, by the way, speaking of the influence that we have on one another, my fantasy draft was uh, on Sunday. Nobody cares about who picks who, but I just want to say, Wes, that I took David Johnson, seventh overall. Thought about you, thought about your face and your body the whole time. Uh, And then it's a two-quarterback league. Daddy went and got himself Marcus Mariota a little later.
5: I love the look of your team. I don't need to know the rest of it. It's no. going to do well just with those two guys.
3: The rest of it was kind of my guys that I like. I also took two Browns. And I will Why? say this I will s- Corey Coleman I took and Duke Johnson later in the draft. There was a Browns opportunity to be had because <laughs> nobody rolls his
4: eyes. No I, nice. don't, no, I those would say. Nice
1: players. I think that's Wait, good that's faith on your part. That's a making the leap guy. That's a good faith on your part, but I think taking Browns players in fantasy is probably historically a bit dubious. But,
3: but if you're trying to get ahead of the curve, which is part of a fantasy draft, are the Browns going to score some points? I think they are this year.
1: Well, they're going to give up some points. We'll That's see fine. I don't care about score. that. Yeah.
3: yeah. W- whether they're good or not is beside the point. But anyway, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> let's uh, do some news uh, with the Irish. And hey, Irish, by the way, you were studying some of the, the, the world map of our listeners. And by the way, thank you to everyone that listens to the podcast. Uh, we have now officially, this is our greatest listenership month ever. Do you have any type of celebration music? <laughs>
2: You know, it's kind of uh, off off the cuff
3: thing you know, you know we're not all allowed to thing. play music we, the the shadowy league figures are in one of their um you know holding phases where all of a sudden we can't play anything that we want to play yeah Wait, like this can, would be perfect hey, for uh, pon, pon, pon.
4: hey yeah uh, shadowy league figures just because you started listening to the show again doesn't mean we got to cut all the songs out don't you even <laughs> have you have a library of, of jingles who are not
1: nothing at all celebratory for that kind of data update from Dan.
3: Ooh, actually, Assessor holding Irish's feet to the cold. No, there. I'm just,
1: I mean, not a single. I'm asking in general. These people are saying
2: we can't play any music at all from any
1: in-house library or external. Well, you know, what is the point?
2: <laughs> if you do remember, I made a drop of Greggy Goes Dallas. That was all in-house stuff, and even that got axed.
3: <laughs> well, that was because it was inappropriate.
5: We'll keep drawing hundreds of thousands of listeners while they tie. Concrete cinder blocks to our ankles.
3: <laughs> wow. Okay, <laughs> this has got a, this went a little too far. Uh, but uh, what is the update you have? This was our greatest listenership month ever. Uh, tell us more, Irish.
2: Well, I was looking at our. You know, we have a lot of worldwide listeners here. And cut to the chase, buddy. We have six listeners in the Vatican City State,
3: Holy totally so, See. And Mark, can you wow, can you explain what that means? Well, I mean, it's.
1: I don't. I'm not a. A Catholic scholar or something, but it's a, it's a it's a territory inside, you know, the holy city it's where, where the pope lives. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's where the pope. The pope's would the be roaming
3: around. There's a pope's chance listening. the pope listens to the podcast. Do you think there's some smoke, like plumes of smoke that come out every time we release a show?
5: Mm. Every time uh, Tremaine Pope runs for three yards <laughs> or Leonard Pope catches a touchdown.
1: I think it's what's very possible is one of the popes kind of henchman yeah. listens to it like down the brick hallway and the Pope can
4: hear it. Echoing. Yeah, and he's wondering what is, what and is he's, that. And he's like, ah, oh, it's Kristen Michael again? Enough, yeah. guys. Move on. What do you yeah.
5: think's on the Pope's <laughs> fantasy team?
4: <laughs> I don't
5: know. A bunch of
3: cardinals. <laughs> oh. Hey now. held oh, it. Hey. Terrible joke. Let's do some this
4: <laughs>
5: My role models are artists, merchants. There's less than 10 that I can name in history. Truman, Ford, Hughes. Disney, Jobs, West.
3: We were just talking about the Pope. Now a guy who thinks he's God. Kanye West at the VMAs yesterday. Um, let's do some news, and we'll start. You know, they used to say the at the old Cowboys Stadium, the the hole in the roof was so God could look in on America's team. But how about now? Where's your God now? Because Tony Romo. <laughs>
4: that's that's for the theology podcast. <laughs>
3: Coming up next summer, everybody. Hold tight. Uh, Tony Romo is injured again. Uh, we talked about on Friday's show how maybe he dodged the bullet after taking that uh, really uh, crushing hit from Cliff Averill. He did not dodge it because Jason Garrett announced Saturday that Romo underwent an MRI on Friday, revealing a broken bone in his back. Uh, Rap sheet reported that Romo's best-case scenario is returning by midseason. It's a compression fracture of his vertebrae, a different broken bone than the one in two thousand fourteen where he had the transverse proce proceeds. Remember that? That was a fun time. Yes. Anyway, the hope is Romo returns after the bye for the team's week eight showdown with the Eagles, here's Jason Garrett. We're confident that he's going to be coming back and playing for football for us this year. And this is just you know, we talked at length about Romo on Friday and about how much football he might have left in that body, and then here it comes. Now Dak Prescott's a starter, Chris Wessling, and Tony Romo has to be thinking to himself, how much longer can I be doing this?
5: Well, the word out of Dallas is that he's thinking he can do it for a few more years, that he's not thinking retirement at all. I think all of us who have watched him play think that he might be getting toward the end of the line, but Jerry Jones came out and said that this is not a – it's hard to believe this would be a Tom Brady – uh, Drew Bledsoe type of situation, that Romo will get his job back. And, and I think, barring some miraculous six-game stretch by Dak Prescott, that's what's going to happen. I mean, but Stephen Jones, days after this happened,
1: came out and said that there is a possibility, <laughs> if it played out a certain way, that it would be a Bledsoe like, to Brady changeover. That, and that make, that seems
3: very realistic at this point. What if Dak Prescott takes this play from the preseason, and they're 5-2 and two in – late October, and he has a passer rating of 104. Like, you going to bench him for Tony Romo? It, it it opens the window for a real possibility that Prescott, Ken uh, Brady, uh, Tom, Tony Romo nailed it. Well, you have to
4: wonder. First of all, you asked where God is. He's starting quarterback for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott. Yeah. He's going to be the governor. He's taken over. Uh, people love Dak Prescott, but the bigger thing for me is, is Tony Romo really going to be healthy in Week 8? Why do we trust these Timelines. Why do we trust that when he comes back on the field that he stays there? I mean, maybe he will, but if if you're just looking at the recent track record, you should expect that he won't come back or that if he does come back, he's not going to stay there necessarily for long, and it's going to be tough for him to take hits, which are a big part of playing quarterback in the NFL when you're 36 years old. It, it just you know it bums me out. I, I hope that he comes back and, he, and he's great because this is a situation where you could see Dak kind of keeping the ship afloat and the offensive line and the running back and everything is set up so well that Romo could come back and be a hero. And it's, it's possible, but it's very possible we've seen the last of Romo as a, as a top-level guy.
5: That's possible. I think when I look at this situation, as opposed to previous seasons when you had cast-offs and rejects like Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle, Kellen Moore masquerading as legitimate backup quarterbacks, It's no surprise that the Cowboys didn't do well, but in this situation, if you could pick one offense for a rookie to step into, it would be the Dallas Cowboys offense. Absolutely. Behind that line, throwing to a 10-time Pro Bowler in Jason Witten, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Des Bryant, and Ezekiel Elliott who looks like a special player. I think it is important to note that exactly to your point
1: that Stephen Jones said – that at this time around compared to last year, we're not going to sit around worrying about when Tony gets back. I think that, he, that, that Dak Prescott, for any rookie quarterback, this is about as good of a situation, you know, their defense aside that you could find yourself in, but it is absolutely the setup for a changing of the guard if mm. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, their new version of triplets, blow the doors off. And Now, that may not happen. You, I don't think you just say that a rookie is going to be there mentally the same way Tony Romo is come week one, but there is a real possibility.
3: Let's move on and talk other quarterbacks. Trevor Simeon did it, guys. Uh, The former seventh-round pick will be the starter for the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos when they begin their season against the Carolina Panthers. A week from Thursday um, in his last uh, preseason game, he he completed 27 of 43 uh, passes in three preseason contests. Two of them starts, uh, 62.8% completion percentage with one touchdown, two picks. So he wasn't dominant, but... Uh, Greg, that speaks to just how bad uh, this competition has been in terms of production.
4: I think Simeon has lived up to whatever modest expectations they had for him at the beginning of the summer, and what we've seen in the preseason has confirmed that if he has a weakness, he's too safe. Uh, He made a couple nice throws, I would say, in his preseason game. He had a couple three and outs where he didn't get to throw the ball at all. He made uh, one really bad, you know. He, he has promise. I like what I see out of Trevor Simeon, so it doesn't shock me that they're ready to get rid of Mark Sanchez, because what's the point of Mark Sanchez? If you already have the future in Paxton Lynch and you have a higher upside guy that's also safer and young in Simeon, why why bother keep Mark Sanchez?
5: I've heard people call this a major upset from the time in when the offseason started, but if you think it's a major upset, you haven't been listening to Gary Kubiak since April and May when... Every time he's mentioned the quarterback situation, he said Trevor Simeon, and and Simeon is his hand-picked guy in the draft. Mm. Yeah, and and
1: Kubiak has talked about Simeon being in control of the offense, that, okay, you're right, but with Mark Sanchez, you know what you're going to get. This is this is someone that Kubiak clearly trusts. I mean, and sounds like when, back when it's in April and in May, maybe it's lip service, but at this point, he's also been their best thrower on the field. I mean, he's not perfect, but like the throw he made to Demarius Thomas... Beautiful catch, yeah. but, I mean, he's got the best chemistry with Denver's starting offense of
4: all the quarterbacks there. He looks off some defenders. He, he shows some things that uh, young quarterbacks don't always show. I, I I like what I've seen out of him, and to me, it, the, the Broncos aren't about their quarterback. They're about everything else around it. That's the same as last year.
3: Here's what Kubiak had to say about Mark Sanchez and whether he had a future with the Broncos uh, Mark has done a great job throughout the course of the offseason and training camp. We're in the process of putting this football team together right now, so that's going to take up the next three or four <laughs> days. Hardly a glowing uh, I mean, assessment the, of the man's future. And that's
4: a, that's an, the answer to the question, will Sanchez be on the team? So he couldn't have been more uh, evasive.
5: Well, uh, it, it would be a shock if he is. They can save $4.5 if they cut him, and they get their seventh-round pick back from the Eagles. Mm.
4: I wouldn't be surprised if they – Bring in another veteran quarterback that started some games in the in in the NFL. Not the challenge to start, but just to have him in the room, just to be there, and who knows, in, in case of emergency, because because people wanted Paxton Lynch to push for the job, but he really didn't do it in the preseason either.
3: Um, are you guys prepared for Geno Smith in the AFC Championship game for the Denver Broncos?
5: <laughs> Why would the Broncos want him?
3: Just get ready. That's all I'm saying. Little tease, little look into the
5: we'll future. go for the
1: next quarterback from the Jets that washed up entirely. <laughs>
3: Uh, Moving on, the Joey Bosa contract standoff, oh, my God, finally is over. The Chargers announced Monday that they have finally signed the first-round defensive end to a four-year rookie contract one's ends one of the ugliest holdouts uh, we can remember especially in this era in the post uh, CBA most recent CBA which is supposed to wipe out these type of holdouts and they have for the most part with but for bosa it was a, it just stuck and went on and went on mark what happened to finally get the deal done
1: well the chargers gave the number 3 overall pick the largest signing bonus for any rookie or veteran in team history so whether or not they bent on all the little nitty-gritty of the contract stuff from a week ago, they certainly bent in this fashion.
3: And there was an agent that changed as well, right?
5: Yeah. The Chargers got their offset language that they were holding out for. So that's one thing, but I don't know. I still what took so long? Was it worth it? I don't. This is a guy they have been targeting since last year to draft. <laughs> there were high fives in their war room when the Eagles traded up for Carson Wentz. This is the guy they've been salivating over, and – why didn't you sign him a month ago well, so you'd have him ready to go for the season? Well, that,
4: that's the thing. There was always so little room between the two sides. I think that was what got, got overlooked, that there was there was almost nothing between the two sides. And yet, who's really going to care in week two or three if he's playing 50 snaps and, and is playing well? Do we really think that it's going to ruin Joey Bosa's rookie season? I don't. I mean, he's got a couple weeks here, get up to speed, and if he's a great player, he'll be fine. I'd be more concerned if it was, you know, when the Rivers
1: – Hold out with the Chargers happen. That's a quarterback, and that's probably a lot harder, even in terms of team leadership, to jump up. This I think has split the locker room on some level from what we've heard, and there are people pro and not pro Bosa and what he did. But you're right. If he comes in and he's pushing the pocket in week
4: one like he's just doing what they brought him in to do, I, yeah, right. he's got two weeks to get ready. We've seen rookies who barely practiced their entire rookie off season because of injuries or whatever. You know, he he was in the building. As they built the defense throughout OTAs and minicamps, it's not like he's coming in fresh.
3: This should be forgotten in a month. And if not, if it's still popping up, that means that the schism was way worse than anybody thought. But I don't think we'll think about it. Yeah. Well, that could be possible as well. But he seems like a polarizing personality as well. So now you drop him back in that room and we'll see what happens. Uh, Do
5: we have a breaking news drop? Sure. Mark's Browns acquired a fourth-round pick in exchange for a punter.
3: Wow! Celebration music? Nope.
5: That means I, Andy Lee is worth more than Barkevius Mingo. Well, I like that deal.
4: Well, I I a think is that for a fourth rounder, his NFL career has proven that out. That Andy Lee is more he's valuable. one of the best punters in the league. <laughs> more valuable than uh,
5: well, if you watch the Panthers game or any of their preseason games, you can understand why they felt desperate to get a punter. Their punters were atrocious. Fourth-round pick, though, that's pretty wild. It's a high price, but if you're a Super Bowl contender, you can say, oh, right. well, we shored up that area of our team. Well,
1: and last year, they acquired Andy Lee as the central cog of their offense. <laughs> it was, we're going to punt the ball 140 times, and he's
4: the best going. Hey, this is Sashi Brown just once again. Uh, Sashi proving proving his dominance over the NFL. You know, they they traded him for a 7th round pick last year or they acquired him for a 7th round pick last year. Now Sashi comes in, he gets a 4th.
5: He's 3 rounds better than the old chumps. They're going to have as many picks the next 2 years as the Cowboys got after the Herschel Walker trade.
3: Yeah. Does that mean the Browns are going to win three Super Bowls in the next seven years?
5: (laughs) Let's worry about winning three games. Here's the thing with all those picks. How many wide receivers did they
4: take other than Cole? Well,
1: there's an issue here
4: because they have too many wide receivers. And how many have stepped up?
1: Right. Zero at this point? Well, they haven't had the chance for early snaps. So you're right. You have to maybe keep trading. You can't bring in 17 rookies every year.
3: Uh, Moving on. Finally, uh, Big old hashtag controversy broke out in the NFL this weekend around Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers quarterback, who uh, it. This is something that had been going on, but it was only noticed now uh, that he's been refusing to stand up for the playing of the national anthem in protest of what he deems are wrongdoings against African Americans and minorities in the United States. Uh, he did it at least one other preseason game, but it was after the 49ers preseason loss to the Packers at Levi Stadium on Friday night uh, that. Kaepernick spoke out, and he actually spoke to Steve Weiss. He had this to say, I'm not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football. It would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the streets, and people are getting paid leave and getting away with murder. The uh, 49ers then released a statement, essentially um, playing both sides of the fence, which they had to here, saying that you know the it's an honor to be able to Uh, be a part of the national anthem but we you have the right not to be a part of it if you wish Um, what are your initial thoughts to the whole controversy Wes
5: the American flag is a symbol it means different things to different people the national anthem is symbolic it means different things to different people we can all take what we want from it but Colin Kaepernick also is a symbol of the American dream biracial kid adopted grows up 4.0 student could have gone pro in baseball or football Who's who's more representative of the American dream than Colin Kaepernick? I just find that interesting that he kind of he's talking about an issue that's on a lot of people's minds and a lot of people view it in different ways. I'm fine with him kind of taking a stand and having people having this awareness on people's minds to discuss an issue that's very important right now.
3: On one hand, it's kind of a brave notion to, to do this, especially at a time as a player where he has, he could not be in a, uh, a weaker position. Uh, It leaves him wide open. You would think to a a team deciding to wash its hands of him, but he's making the decision that this is bigger than what's going on on the field. So the timing may not be good for his career, but he's deciding to, to talk about it. anyway.
1: I think it's very clear to him, to us that this is more important to him and who he is as a person than whether or not he's, you know, earning points as in the pecking order of the, of the Niners roster. I mean, this is, this is a, a bold move, and I, I, don't, I, I saw tons of hot takes all weekend. I get it. Um, there's people, There's never been a time in our country where people seem more divided about so many things. But if you love America, you have to love the fact that what makes the country what it is is that people are allowed to coexist with completely different viewpoints.
5: And you're allowed by free speech to criticize them.
4: That's right. It's the most American thing possible is to make a protest. I mean, that that is that is America in a nutshell. And I think what's inarguable with this is how effective it has been. He has taken, in a very simple, non-threatening gesture, while hundreds of people at that stadium are probably using the bathroom during that national anthem and or talking or doing whatever during the national anthem. It's not like it's some sanctified thing that everyone has to stop for. By doing something very simple and peaceful – uh, during the National Anthem, he has gotten the entire country to be talking about this. Now, people aren't necessarily always talking about the um, sen- the actual sentiments that he's talking about, which is oppressing black people. I don't know if people have gotten into the guts of that, but for the people that are really angry with Colin Kaepernick, I'd say listen to to his press conference on... Sunday. Because Do you think
5: those are the type of people who want to listen to his press conference? No. Maybe, maybe no. not, but
4: I think they would understand it more. And And what I would take away from that is he was ready for everything that's coming, and he wants to talk about this and that it's all very well thought out. It's a different Colin
1: Kaepernick because we
4: talk about a quarterback that does not like to
1: talk to the press. One, two-word answers. If you watch and hear what he had to say yesterday, he absolutely – this is a topic he cares about, he's thought about. We're not asking him to be a 75-year-old wise in person that's seen the earth or what it is. It's at his age point and where he are, is right now at that departure point, but he was he, I thought he did a good job explaining where his
3: heart was at. It's a good point because I remember when he his star was at its apex when we covered that Super Bowl against the Ravens, he was a guy that was very shy around the media, didn't have a lot to say when everyone wanted a piece of him. So I would have never predicted four years later that he'd be in the middle of this. And one more note in terms of a little history, 20 years ago, uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, uh, who's on the Denver Nuggets, uh, was suspended by the NBA for a game for refusing to stand for the National Anthem before they worked out um, a compromise. I would think the NFL – it would the, the NFL should st- give this a wide berth, put it that way. I agree with because you. Because if they, the NFL decided to get involved with this, it would cause an uproar that the league does not want anything to do with it. Right well, now.
4: they quickly did. They released a statement, which indicated to me that's his right and he can do what he wants.
3: Shows you how much things have changed.
4: It, yeah, that's a – it's a great point. And, and, I, and I've heard people – I think one important thing he kept saying was that he he knows that his it's not about him, that he's representing people that don't have a press conference, that don't get noticed uh, if they wanted to make a stand in whatever jobs or anything that they do. He's he's representing those people.
3: One last thing I do want to throw out there, Novaro Bowman, because uh, we do have to see how this will play in that locker room if he's going to be around. Uh, told Steve Weish this weekend, things like this break teams apart and we can't let that happen. Colin chose to do this. We know Colin and we support him. We don't think he's a bad teammate because he decided to vote his opinion. Basically said two different things in the course of two sentences. So that might give you an idea of what Kaepernick's walking into in that locker room now. So well, it's worth something to track.
5: It's worth pointing out that Kaepernick has not been the most popular guy in that locker room over the last few years. In fact, he's been a divisive force according to all the reports out there and his spot on this roster might depend on how well Christian Ponder and Jeff Driscoll play in the in the preseason finale. Well, let's
4: t- let's talk a little bit about the football of it all while while we're here, because it is a fascinating story. Uh, I mean, I find I found the story and it and the responses to it, it. It certainly was something we haven't exactly seen. But from the football perspective, what are the odds he's on this team in two weeks? Jay Glazer reported, you know, essentially that he might have an uphill battle even to make to make this squad that there's two teams right now where the starting quarterbacks have not been named the Rams, which it, it looks like Keenum and then the 49ers.
5: Well, Mike uh, Garofolo also reported that he's got $25 million left in insurance money, which works in the same way as RG three, which, which kept him on the Redskins lo- roster last year, but glued to the bench that if, Colin Kaepernick gets injured, and it's an injury that carries over into 2017. Then I believe the 49ers owe him 14.5 million for 2017.
1: That's the right figure, and there'd be a lot of motivation to not play a quarterback that, if you watch the game over the weekend, his right. arm does not look ready for prime time on any level to me. Well,
4: that's the thing; he doesn't have the same athleticism that that he used to. So it's like these two different stories. He the same body weight, either. two stories differently, and yet you. He was known as a divisive force in the locker room. I, I thought the way that they handled everything so far, the 49ers, Kaepernick, and the entire team has been pretty excellent. He called he called the team meeting. They hashed it out. The most telling quote I saw from any of the teammates was from uh, Daniel Kilgore, their offensive lineman, who said initially when he heard it, the, the whole thing pissed him off. Uh, Kaepernick not standing pissed him off. It got him angry, and he said after listening to Kaepernick and understanding where he was coming from, uh, that that he respected it, that he supported it, and he thought, and maybe this is just what players say, but he thought it had a chance to to bring them together a little bit. That they hashed it out.
3: All right, guys, good talk. Let's uh, let's move on and get into the preseason games. Uh, all the week three recap, folks. Who's excited?
5: Oh yeah,
4: I'm excited because when this preseason week three ended Sunday night, I had that last uh, Sunday night game with your boy Mike Tarico. Doing a great job. Two games this week on play-by-play. Then that was the end. That was the end of the preseason that matters. You know, we'll be covering Thursday night, but it's like, okay, we wrap that up. The next time I'm really focused in on a football game, It's one that matters.
3: And since you brought up Mike Tirico, you know, we should discuss that. I am not happy with the language in this contract between (laughs) the NFL and uh, Sunday night, Thursday night football. You don't want an angry day on NFL. Tirico should absolutely be calling that Thursday night game as much as I love Al Michaels. Give Al, who's, by the way, uh, not for nothing in his early 70s.
4: Celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary yesterday. Congratulations.
3: Um, (laughs) Yeah. How do you know about his Well, they went, they
4: went into it on the on the
1: broadcast. Yeah, if you to, watch the game, they a few minutes it. Uh, okay. yeah.
3: Anyway, so Al, Al on Sundays and Tariko on Thursdays sounded great until Tariko the, the torch was passed, but instead they have Tariko in some type of host role, which just seems like a little course correction. I'm not happy about it's it.
1: quickly eclipsed the Bosa thing as the worst contract language <laughs> around. Why would you not want the best play-by-play guy that we have right now mm. doing primetime NFL games? Al Michaels. Oh, I love not, Al Michaels. I'll, I'm not putting I, him listen, ahead of Al Michaels. I am looking They're forward. Both great. I like Al Michaels fine, but Tirico, you're talking about splitting up two broadcasts.
4: It's a shame we don't have Tirico. Well, and, and you think about it for the fan. You know, you, you have Al Michaels, who's not going to be able to prepare as much for two games. You know, when he, that's instead a good of just point, one, right? You could have Tirico on one, Michaels on one. Now Michaels got That's the best point anyone's made.
3: Irish, can you get um, Park Avenue on the phone? We'd like to talk to Roger by the end of the show. Everding. All right, here we go. Let's talk about it. We'll start with uh, the New England Patriots at the Carolina Panthers. And uh, once again, for the third consecutive game, ah, we can use a little thrown of sleeves for this, I think. A little bit. What? That's a little bit. For the third consecutive game, Jimmy Garoppolo, slow start. Didn't do much. He managed one first down. He managed a first down in just one of his first four possessions. Then Tommy Brady comes in who's not playing uh, until week five, as we know. And, uh, Wes, the difference between the two guys. guys—unless, l- Again, weeks ago, Bill Belichick was asked, is there any way Jimmy Garoppolo could stay in the lineup once Tom Brady's off suspension? The difference between these guys is stark, Wes.
5: That was a laughable question at the time. The person who asked it should have been fired. Forth- <laughs> forthwith and without any follow-up questions, that was just a ridiculous thing to say in this game. I mean, it's only a couple of quarters in a preseason game without Gronk, without Danny Amendola, without some key players. But Tom Brady, at this point in his career, not known for attacking d- down the field, comes in and immediately his first two completions are longer than any Garoppolo completion of the preseason <laughs> except a screen pass to James White. And I think that's very telling. It's awfully hard to get a read on Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I'm not sold on him. I don't think he's an asset for the Patriots right now. It.
4: It really was remarkable how ferocious Brady looked. The worst the worst person in America to be on Friday night was A. J. Derby after he dropped a third down to kill Brady's third drive. Brady went over to the sideline looking miserable, thinking, I only got three or four drives, you know, for the next month and you're gonna ruin this AJ Derby. You're not playing with me again. Relax, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say anything. He just, he just, he came out there and played with a regular season sort of ferocity. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You could just see. Yeah, it. I mean, is there
1: any element to this where I'm not saying that they're keeping it under wraps for Garoppolo, but it's just that are they going to reveal much about their offense? The one thing with Garoppolo, Who knows? I mean, we don't. He doesn't have half of his weapons on the field, so I get the shots downfield. Nor did Brady. Brady. He but shows Brady's, but Brady's Brady. And so I mean, what Jimmy Garoppolo is a massive step down from Brady, but. Is he? Would you? Is he all right for four games for them? I mean, I don't think Philly's like been a total again, liability. again, we
3: have no idea. We, nobody you know? knows. But he
4: he hasn't. We have some evidence. He hasn't really shown one way or another, even compared to other young quarterbacks. It's it is tough to get a feel
5: of him. He, he showed. It was a little jumpy. Made a it's, couple of bad decisions. It's interesting that you have pointed out his quiet feet and his pocket presence, when a lot of people have major issues with his pocket. La- right?
4: Well, he took a step back in that department. That the, there's a lot. I mean, you'd be enjoying Dan some of the talk that's going on in New England this this week First well, I'm of sure all, they're totally saying about it. There was conspiracy theories about, you know, Brady's uh you know, finger, uh, that he hasn't been happy with Belichick, how how this has all been handled, him coming off the bench, him not playing a lot in the precinct, blah, blah blah. And then there's also the questions, you know this was coming. People wondering if Jacoby Brissett, who's probably looked like the best rookie quarterback in the league. Uh, other than, uh, other, I don't know, who's put up good numbers. People are saying, oh, maybe Jacoby Brissett should be starting over Jimmy Garoppolo. I love it. Oh. I lo- that is sleazy. Because <laughs> it was a bad, it was a bad That's game.
3: That's thrown of Jimmy sleazy G. right there.
5: Some hot takes.
1: By the way, they went 2-2 two and two with Brady multiple times last couple of years. I mean, if they go 2-2 two and two with Jimmy G and Brady comes in in week 5 against Cleveland... I think this team's going to be just fine. No. And they, they go 2-2 two and
3: two with Garoppolo. I know you're – Then gonna. Brady comes in, and he needs his 2-2 two and two stretch. And all of a sudden, half the season's over, and we're 500. I mean oh, – Look out.
5: Brady's not going to need – That's not the
4: Brady DNA. Look out. Brady, the, Brady, look out. the trouble of caring too much about the preseason was on the other side of the ball. Think about Cam Newton's rookie – Quarter, preseason was a disaster. Think about what Cam Newton did in this game. 13 for 29 for 100 yards in two picks, and that's boosted by him staying in deep into the second half into ba- against backups just because they wanted to get him some positive snaps. At one point, I think it was 5 for 14 with two picks. Ron Rivera looked like he was going to implode. <laughs> he looked super upset.
3: All right, let's move on. Let's by the way, this
4: Pat's defense is looking pretty good. That's who needs to carry the team.
3: Okay. Can I move on now? No. <laughs> okay. Moving it. Wait, can I move it? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills and Washington Redskins, Greg. And, uh, you know, that backfield in Washington continues to look like a tire fire, doesn't it?
4: Yeah. Uh, you know, two lane product. Uh, Robert Kelly probably going to s- could start for them week oh. one over Matt. Marron! Ah, that's,
5: that's not ideal.
4: That's not a good sign for them.
5: Keith Marshall injured. That guy's always injured, first of all. Matt Jones still injured. This is this backfield is a trophy. Ryan
4: Kerrigan need an MRI after that game. We'll see if that that's serious. Deshaun Jackson's had a really nice training camp overall, and, and backed it up with this preseason. Looks very good.
5: Pass rusher Preston Smith, second year guy, looked great against the Bills.
3: I think universally in this room we expect um, Kirk Cousins to come back down to earth. If that really happens and he has like a kind of a middling season, this offense is not going to be very good.
4: Yeah, I mean this is this was a weird. A weird game to watch because the Bills rested so many starters. Rex always in reactive mode because he's had so many injuries this preseason. <laughs> Just Classic like rested Rex. everyone in the third week of the preseason, which is not something you normally would do. Although I get it, and can he reg- and he you, uh, regretted playing Tyler Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, at all because he almost got hurt. Can, can I ask
5: you a follow-up question? Sure. Is it generally a good thing when your coach in any sport is in reactive? <laughs>
1: no, no. no. And Rex is always that way. This feels a little fear-filled to me to suddenly sit sit half your roster in a preseason game. It's like, you know what? You never know. they's going to get hurt. Go out and play them. They still need the experience. This was a, This was your third game.
3: The two teams that are the most reactive are whatever team Rex Ryan's coaching and the Dallas Cowboys. They always can't re- argue with that hardcore in the offseason that they whatever their problems are they will go directly at that thing and do something obvious.
4: What, one thing I did not expect to write down uh, this year: Reggie Bush looks solid. Clear oh number. Here zero. we
3: go. I don't know. He's not Gail Sayers, guys. It's
4: a little surprise. A nice little player. I'm shocked that he is their backup uh, running back
5: at I, the end of the line. My notes looked a little different on Reggie Bush <laughs> in that game.
3: Still pushing that narrative after all these years, Greg.
5: I thought he looked like the running back version of Tony Romo.
3: <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Nolan saints. Uh, and uh, Wes, we, you know, sometimes it makes you think the inherent uh, think of the inherent meaninglessness of our jobs, because a lot of Sammy Coates posts uh, on this website and around the internet, uh, but the Sammy Coates wasn't much uh, part of the scheme in this third preseason game. Was he?
5: Well, if, uh, if I hear what you're saying, we should basically all take May through August, hmm. the end of August, off work.
3: That's Please. an
4: old Sessler uh, idea. Well,
5: Mark might have been onto something there because, you know, <laughs> just like our Jimmy Garoppolo analysis will be made entirely meaningless in a in couple weeks. <laughs> all of these Sammy Coates posts from early August have been rendered meaningless by Eli Rogers, who's running as the first-team slot receiver. I think Big Ben's first two drives were all no huddle and there were two touchdown drives. Marcus Wheaton, Antonio Brown on the outside, Eli Rogers in the slot for the entire drive. And Jesse James got pretty pretty heavily targeted as Ladarius's greens fill in as well. Mm. I worth,
4: think worth noting, Coates made a couple plays in the game, and we'll, we'll get some snaps.
1: I think Big Ben's one of those quarterbacks that has an enormous amount of influence over who's out there with him who's out there mm. you know, in the first string Good offense point. and who he can trust. And he's been hard on a, on a couple wide receivers over the years that if they aren't picking it up, you can kind of read the tea leaves with Big Ben's statements about that, and Coates has been a disappointment.
4: What a preseason. He knows how to do a preseason. He plays two drives. He gets two touchdowns. That's it. It's over. And he he threw almost every single snap he was on the field. They just got it over as fast as possible. The big thing I thought for the Steelers was it was nice to see Le'Veon Bell looking like Le'Veon Bell. He looked good. He looked really good.
3: We won't see him for a few weeks. Speaking of uh, running backs coming back from lower leg issues, uh, Chris Wesley, everybody's talking about the awakening with Kristen Michael, but you are on the hype transfer. See, C.J. Spiller continues to be a guy that you're into.
5: Well, I mean, let's see how long it lasts. He hasn't, we, he hasn't really shown 2012 bills for him in a while. He did look good the other night. He looks quicker. I, I don't blame him for last year considering he had August knee surgery and it really hindered him all throughout the season. So I am looking forward to seeing how the Saints mm. use C.J. Spiller this year. Well, people
4: say, what can you learn from the preseason? You can learn that C.J. Spiller is going to be a big part of this offense, that he's part of their starting group. At When we went into the preseason, we didn't know if he was going to make the team. Like That's something – that you can learn. We can also learn they're not health. Their offensive line, the Saints, a little bit out of nowhere. But with Teron Armstead hurt, is a total mess. Has been a disaster. And Breeze
1: has been hit. I mean, you watch the the game with Clowney two weeks ago is was a clinic in how to
5: get your butt kicked if you're an offensive line. They're going to have to invent a position for Andrews Pete to play Ooh. because he's failed out at every position they have tried him at.
4: If Armstead isn't healthy, that then all that fun skill position talk we've talked about or I've talked about for New Orleans kind of falls apart. How about we trade Pete for Luke Jokel? (laughs)
5: <laughs> well, that accomplished anything.
1: Well, did you watch Luke Joke, guard, which we can get into down the road, but that had problems.
3: A little guard talk coming up later in the show. <laughs> Cleveland and Tampa Bay. Mark Cecil, Josh Gordon. Forget about Russ. This guy looks like the guy that tore up the league a couple of years ago.
1: The Browns are a very weird team. I mean, it's there should be something disturbing about the fact that someone that has not played in a year and a half was immediately the best player on your roster. But Gordon looked <laughs> immense. He looked fantastic on two big catches, but... For me, if if you're a Bucks fan, you have to be happy with what Jameis Winston did against this defense. It was not a perfect game, and it hasn't been a perfect game for Jameis Winston in the per- per- perfect preseason form in general, but he carved up a wanting Browns defense, one that I think could be one of the worst in the league, And the Browns on offense, the only way they have to counter is these big shots downfield. There's, They had eight quarterback sacks. They were wrecked. RG3 is not going to stay on two feet if that continues. They have no sustaining ground game. And really the only thing that you see is that it's Terrell Pryor or Gordon or fill-in-the-blank going 35 yards down the field once or twice a game. That's on offense.
3: I just drafted Duke Johnson. Isn't he going to be a part of this offense? Yeah.
1: I think Duke Johnson – can be a nice part of it but but there's no fear if you're facing the Browns he's he, he's not going to unless things just change their
4: offensive line looks very bad I'm to get, me, very incomplete I'm getting a, a Rex vibe though from Hugh Hugh uh, Jackson when he was asked at halftime about the game he starts talking about not picking up third downs this or that I'm like who the the offense isn't your problem first of all they did some nice things on offense it wasn't really their fault that they were way behind the defense is their problem You know He needs to be just as focused as that because they have those weapons you talked about. That's a nice group. I mean, that is a monster wide receiver. They have the two biggest wide receivers in the league, and then you have Coleman and Barnage with them and a couple decent running backs. They've got weapons, but I don't don't like
1: any offense in the league where you can't run the ball at all, and all we've seen so far is
5: Isaiah Crowell with the occasional Uh decent run. Throw this out there. Maybe Duke Johnson isn't a pro bowler. We'll see. I just, he, I'm just. He I feel like right now
3: we're hedging our bets here. I thought he was going to be. a player I like this Duke year. Johnson.
4: Making
5: a leap. He's like a poor man's Gio Bernard.
4: I think he'll be a similar but a more physical. Can we Gio Bernard. talk
5: about the Bucks for a
4: minute? I
3: would like to. And I was just going to set up one thing. Roberto Aguayo, big day for the rookie kicker, second round pick, uh, hit all six of his kicks, three extra points, and three field goals. That is people like to marginalize the kicker, but that is a big storyline for Tampa, who. We're heading into a potential nightmare scenario of this guy being a huge bust and them having egg all over their face. What else was?
5: Yeah, that was good to see for a guy like that who was already embattled to, to work his way out of it. But that pass rush in Tampa, which we haven't seen in years, when I did most improved position groups, I had to shoehorn the Bucks in there because they looked so good in training, training camp in the first preseason games. And then eight sacks. Noah Spence looks like a first-year difference maker for them. And I, they also,
1: the Bucks on offense, they ran hurry up nearly the entire first half, and it, and it fit very well with Jameis Winston. They're fun to watch. I they mean, were.
4: Watch that Jameis Winston highlights package, and it's hard not to be a Jameis Winston fan when you watch that. He reminds me so much of Ben Roethlisberger when he was younger.
3: Okay, let's talk about Green Bay and San Francisco. Oh, I am excited about the Packers offense being back to what they were and maybe better. You know why? Because not only do you have Aaron Rodgers uh, back with a healthy Randall Cobb and Eddie Lacy got his weight down and Jordy Nelson's back, but, Greg, Jared Cook. Let's play a little over-under game with Jared Cook. You ready? Okay. Tight end, of course. He's bounced around the league. High on talent. High on mistakes. High on mistakes. A flawed player, but everyone's always wondered, what if you gave him a good quarterback? Now he's got the best. 60 receptions.
5: They believe that would be a career high. Yeah. That would be, definitely be a career high.
3: When you play with the quarterbacks he's played with, that doesn't surprise me.
5: I go under. I'm going to go under. Barely.
3: 900 he's, yards.
1: Under. Under. He spent his whole career in, in, with Jeff Fisher.
4: I think he's going to be a big part of this Seven offense. touchdowns. Under under. But so, I'm high on him. I think okay. he's a 650 700 yards. Just type not a pro bowl guy. Of, but that's a big addition if with, they can get that out. With of
5: him. as many weapons as they have, they don't need him to catch 900 yards and 60 passes and he can still have a big influence on the offense. And,
4: and it wouldn't surprise me if he went over on some of those because they don't they don't really have that third receiver that's stepped up and maybe he's that guy.
3: I'm going to look at Jermichael Finley's final year before before the knee, before the uh neck injury. Well, Jared
5: His, Cook's not Jermichael Finley.
3: Well, I'm just out of curiosity. When they had a, a tight end they could believe in, 61 catches on 88 targets, 667 yards.
5: Yeah, I could see something like that.
3: Two touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns the year before that. So that's just going to make that offense even harder to, if they can get Absolutely. a guy that can make some plays. It's, it's the My speed. Goodness. He
5: stretches the seam.
3: Um, and also, Greg, from that game, um, there are no skill players in San Francisco. San Francisco is in a bad way. Man. Got
1: your boy Ooh. Jeremy Curley through a trade. Yeah, well, that it.
3: that should solve everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> that
4: reeks of desperation. <laughs> that's a bad sign for Bruce Ellington, who hurt his hamstring in that game. Shocking. That indicates that maybe he's not going to be back on the field. I mean, Gabbert just is kind of there, and he's just that being there is better than the rest of the
3: guys. Who's the third-string quarterback that's definitely going to play this year?
4: Jeff Driscoll.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him.
1: Have you watched Connor him Orr's in the point. preseason? I'm not sure no. how much you should be excited about
3: him. We're going to yeah. see a lot of quarterbacks in. The I don't even remember this
4: game, point. but I wrote down playing a lot worse than the numbers indicate for Driscoll, and his numbers <laughs> were bad. So,
3: <laughs> and just another landing spot for Geno Smith potentially to to resurrect that his one. Career. I could
4: see. You know what? That one. I that's could see. depressing. That one makes <laughs> wow. a little bit of sense.
3: Uh, because on. what are they trying to do right now? <laughs> moving on. Well, did you? Was there a second after that? No, that's no. it. I mean, why not? <laughs>
5: Why not? What's the square root of boring?
3: The Chiefs and Bears. Speaking of boring, um, Mark, business as usual with Alex Smith, who is effective. They're not gonna get you excited, but they look like they're ready for the season, don't they?
1: Well, I think it's you know, with an an offense. Offense. they did a lot of very Alex Smithyish type things and they were efficient Smithy-ish. and they completely dominated the Bears. And one of the reasons is that I mean, give me a break. First four drives for Cutler. Four punts, including three straight, three and outs, and a strip sacked to end the half. The Bears have literally, unless they are absolutely into hiding everything from us until September, zero identity on offense. Zero. The only chance they had all half for a big play was a horrible drop by Alshon Jeffrey downfield. It it is almost as if, and we've seen this, Wes and I were talking about this on Saturday, with John Fox, occasionally the game plan is simply lose 20 to nothing. Because we saw it against the Seahawks (laughs) last year, and it is as if they came into this game having done literally zero planning at all, and it showed and the poor people in Chicago that paid money for tickets to this ridiculous affair should all be getting the refunds
5: back. It was a joke of a game for the Bears. If there's anybody who should be giving up a mid-round pick for a punter, it's John Fox, who sometimes decides going into a game, he's just going to punt the entire game. Mm.
4: I, I think Kevin White's struggles is one of the big stories of the preseason. They threw the ball to him. I think eight times this preseason, and those eight throws gained 12 yards. The only time they could get him the ball were those quick quick outs where he gains three yards. He doesn't look like he knows where to go. Jay Cutler called him out for that, and Jay Cutler sort of passively, impl- aggressively implied, like, we're just putting this guy out there before he's really ready, that he's out there, he doesn't know what to do. It's a problem when when people were talking, ooh, you know, Jeffrey White, and White right now looks like he's gonna be hurting that offense, not helping.
5: One thing on the Chiefs real quick. I am on board with Greg. This is we've got a career year for Alex Smith coming. I know.
3: Wow. I'm What is a career year from Alex Smith, by the way? What are we talking?
5: Let's let's look at his stats real quick. I'd say twenty five passing touchdowns, maybe five rushing. I
4: I think I think it just kind of hit me. Andy Reid's been coaching his ass off. Whatever the the ceiling for this offense and Alex Smith and this team is, I think they're going to hit it. I think he's in year four. There's so much continuity. They have Conley. They have Kelsey. They have Charles coming back. I just think Alex Smith, however he's well never, he can play, he's going to play that well.
5: He's never passed for 3 3,500 yards or more than 23 touchdowns in a season. In this
1: offense, Macklin has looked very good this preseason. Yep. Conley has made plays, and they didn't even have anything at wide receiver two seasons ago. There are more weapons here. Kelsey, throw him into the mix. There are more big plays happening. Not 88-yard sizzlers down the,
5: down the sideline, but he's making chunk plays down the field. And their second-round rookie, I believe, Chris Jones, has been killing it this preseason. Great pick by them.
4: And I I think Reed is one of the more underrated offensive coaches the last 20 years, and I think it really helped him to not be the GM. He's a great example, and he's talked about it. And listening to John Dorsey talk on these telecasts, he seems, I don't know, he just seems like a very smart GM. It's a nice combination there.
3: Uh, Let's move on to Detroit and Baltimore. And Chris Wessling, Joe Flacco made his debut uh, in the preseason, 11 of 16, uh, coming back from that ACL tear. That he's not 100%, but he looked like he's ready to go, right?
5: He's got eyes for Mike Wallace. You can see that right on the first couple of drives. And my takeaway continues to be it's only a matter of time before Terrence West takes Justin Forsett's starting job. There is a mountain of difference, not only between the way West ran his first couple of years in the league and and how he's running now, but also between how he's running and how Justin Forsett's running. West is exploding through the holes. He's decisive, one cut and downhill, which is exactly what you want to see out of your running backs.
4: I think Forsett had a chance to be cut if Kenneth Dixon didn't hurt his knee in this game, and he's now out a month, and so now they don't quite have the same depth they had a week ago. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been surprised for you to be right and that West would have been the starter.
3: On the Detroit side of the ball, West, Amir Abdullah uh, got his first action of the preseason, and he showed you enough with that injured shoulder, right?
5: Well, I think there was the one play where he got to the edge and, and hit the pylon for a, about a 20-yard touchdown run. Didn't do much other than that because their offensive line still doesn't open many holes.
3: Hmm. And, by the way, we have our first uh, sandwich wager closed for the 2016 season. Oh, please. Not happy about this, but, uh, you know, a wager is a wager, and Benjamin Watson tore his Achilles out for the year.
1: And you will eat well because of it.
3: <laughs> Listen, I'm not <laughs> excited about it. Well, just, you we know just what? It's just a matter of bookkeeping, that's all.
1: I think next time I do some like mid-August over-under sandwich bet with you, who's won like seven sandwiches me off this uh, at this point, is if they if they go into the season with a broken bone or ripped up tendon, the bet is off. I mean, they got to be healthy starting week one.
3: I would, but the language was actually baked into the wager. We talked about it specifically.
1: No, it's on me. I should have I should have mentioned this, but I mean, right. I you know, it's it's poor. Do you want uh, me to?
3: I could. I'll. I'll Wash my hands. If I get the, if I take it in the standings, I don't need the sandwich.
1: No, next time, next (laughs) time, I'll buy you a giant sandwich for you to eat. Enjoy yourself.
3: (laughs) Moving on. Now that is some. That's some quiet storm right there. I enjoyed it. Uh, Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles and Indianapolis Colts. Wes, you wrote in our what we learned. You've heard this story before. The Colts got pushed around on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Is this the softest team in football?
5: Don't we ask that every year? They're incredibly soft. They've lacked backbone throughout the Pagano-Griggson era, and it looks like they're going to again because the defense, I don't even know if they have any starters left. They're all injured. And the offensive line, they've drafted nine offensive linemen in the past four years. Mm. And – The facts. That's crazy. The facts remain that Andrew Luck has been hit more than any quarterback since he entered the league, and that Vic Ballard's 105-yard effort in December of 2012 remains the lone 100-yard rushing game of the Andrew Luck era. The only thing.
3: Oh my God! He's been in the league so long. Five years. That's insane. That stat. Oh.
5: I,
1: they played a very good defense in this game. Yes. But when you watch other teams around the league, like the Titans, for instance, completely reorganize their offense in one offseason, and you look at how many chances Ryan Grigson has had to build both lines on this or team,
3: Chuck Pagano. and they are
1: worse than ever, it is mysterious You know who's running their offensive it's line to, now?
3: Who?
5: Your boy Philbin.
3: Joey F, Joey That's P. Right. Joey
5: P is running the Colts' offensive line, making right sure now. everybody's shoes are and, tied and, and he no has gum a, on the toe. He turf. has a great reputation. He was the Packers' offensive line coach, is what got him the Dolphins' job. But this is going to be a hard. I mean,
4: well, the two guys they thought they can count on, Muhort, is now out a month, and their left tackle Costanza, who has a big money deal, was ter- has been terrible in the preseason, is coming off of Maybe that year. Maybe it doesn't
5: mean anything. Maybe Costanza will be fine.
4: Maybe, but this is the team. Every year there is a team that's so bad in the preseason that can't do anything at all, that everything is so wrong that it actually does carry over into the regular season. And to me, the Colts are that
5: team. Um, It's hiding that Andrew Luck looks nothing like 2015 Andrew Luck now. He looks like 2014 Andrew Luck, and you don't get to see it because of that offensive line.
3: On the other side, uh, Philadelphia, their wide receiver group continues to be hard to make sense of.
5: Well, Chris Givens started this game and then was cut the next day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is not a
3: good situation.
5: Josh Huff, who seems to drop a pass per game, was their most productive wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar, who seems to be locked into the number two job, dropped a pass that became an interception, <laughs> and Dorial Green Beckham is used exclusively in the end zone. It's
4: not good. I <laughs> I enjoyed how um Apoplectic, the Colts announcers were in this game. they were totally <laughs> they were totally existential existentially like just dread. Here are some actual quotes that flag was our best play here's a, is there a woodshed we can take these guys to <laughs> what and, and then my favorite one we're losing the edge. there is no edge. <laughs> that got, me, that got really me really
1: veering away from the local pom-pom carrying announcers of most of these What's
5: Well, it's kind of the flip games. side of that. Yeah, it's the flip side of that. <laughs> I think 90% <laughs> of Indianapolis has seen enough of Ryan Griggs.
3: That's fair. That's fair. All right, moving on. Uh, the Snoopy Bowl, guys. It stays with the Giants or goes to the Giants. I don't remember who won last year. <laughs> but, and that's saying something. Uh, let's talk about the Giants versus uh, not a pretty game for either side. Uh, but, Victor Cruz played, didn't do much, but he didn't get hurt again. That's good. I'd be worried if I'm a Giants fan right now, and I know, um, Wes, you think Eli could have his best year ever offensively, and that's certainly – all this could be washed away once the season starts, but they have not looked good. The Jets' defense really made uh, Eli and the first-team Giants' defense look bad. Uh, A lot of that had to do with – Uh, Mo Wilkerson, who looked dominant at the line of scrimmage. Uh, But I think the the Giants have a lot of work to do on the offensive side of the ball, so uh, that's what I took away from them. And on the Jets' side, uh, Wilkerson looked great, and Calvin Pryor is a guy to keep an eye on. He he made uh, ODB make a uh, business decision on a play over the middle. He had a sack where he just crushed uh, Eli Manning. He made six tackles. Uh, He was all over the field. I think he could be a making-the-leap type guy. And finally, Christian Hackenberg, um, up and down. I think his numbers were pretty bad, 6 of 16. But he came in on his first possession, and after a drop and um, an incomplete pass, completed four consecutive passes, including a touchdown that showed different levels of throws. He's not going to play any meaningful snaps, but it was good to see something positive from the kid. He also threw an interception that essentially ended the game, but that's what happened at the middle ends.
1: Was this easily since we've been employed at NFL media now. I mean, a lot of people don't even know what the Snoopy Bowl is, but by far the dullest of Snoopy Bowls. I tried to watch this this morning on Game Pass and had to get multiple cups of coffee just (laughs) to keep my eyes open during this. Outside of Pryor, who you're right, he looks like a badass.
3: I will say that Rex Ryan, the Jets were ready to move on from the Rex Ryan, so were the fans, but the Snoopy Bowl isn't the same anymore without Rex. (laughs)
1: Because Which, if that's the biggest loss, you know, you're know, you fine. The but. Snoopy
3: ball. Th- this game means nothing. It's really for little kids to go to the preseason game and all their friends and stuff. That's how I view the game. But when Rex did it, because he was so insane, that he took that game so seriously, <laughs> leading to that infamous press conference after he got Sanchez killed uh, by a seventh-string offensive line, <laughs> and he went off saying, we won the game, we won the Snoopy Bowl. I miss that. Just for yeah. uh, entertainment value, Wes,
1: you might remember when Jerry Glanville, back I think in the early '90s, at one point his Atlanta Falcons played two or three teams from California that season, and he had the audacity to wheel a California trophy. Down the field, and it was before they played <laughs> the Niners, I believe. Stupid. And the Niners went out and whipped the Falcons like fifty to three. God. But it was like until Rex Ryan, there was no one doing this, wheeling trophies for ridiculous oh, reasons up and down
5: fields. I hated Jerry Glanville <laughs> with a passion as a Bengals fan back in those days. But the world, the football world, needs a Jerry Glanville yeah. type of figure.
3: Right. That's why I still believe. Well, you know, when Rex and Rob are gone, we'll miss him. Maybe we're, Absolutely. Like, we're sick of him now. But. I'll,
5: I'll grant you this. If my, if I wasn't tasked with covering the game, I would find Rex Ryan a lot mm-hmm. more amusing. I'd agree. A, I I, and
4: I, I don't think we're ever getting rid of Rex and Rob. I think they're lifers. I mean, they might not be head coaches, That's but they'll, they'll be belong. in the league. They'll yeah. Put be Rex league running forever. a
5: defense again, and, and he'll be fun to cover.
3: Um, One other thing on the Jets, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not looked great. And I wonder how much that is due to the fact that he's, you know, not that great. What
4: about that strip sack?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, not well, a good look. Well, but. I
4: like the I like the cojones on Ryan. only Ryan Fitzpatrick would try to stiff arm <laughs> Jonathan Hankins, a 350 pound man, with his left hand while he's holding the ball with his right hand, and then attempt to throw. I mean, he's an insane
3: person. <laughs> <laughs> you know he went to Harvard you think he makes under decisions uh but I'll he did say. he threw a touchdown he didn't throw an interception in the play in the preseason but it was kind of like last year where maybe he should have had several interceptions uh he's looked rusty he missed open guys i need him to get sharper we'll see what happens moving on the Tennessee Titans and Oakland Raiders and uh this guy, as I said on the pod a couple weeks ago, I thought he had a retirement press conference, and I thought that there a lot of his ex-teammates were there, and I thought it was like a real a lot of popping circumstance. But Andre Johnson's still in the league, now in the tit- <laughs> Titans, and he's working with the first-team offense and making some plays for Tennessee, Chris Wessling.
5: If the Snoopy Bowl was the most boring game of the weekend, this might have been the most exciting. This Titans team is fun to watch. Andre Johnson played quite a bit with the first-team offense. Tajay Sharp, I think, is locked in. I think Rashard Matthews is locked in. Andre Johnson, for what it's worth, played 10 more
4: snaps than Rashard Matthews with the first team. I don't know if that
5: that means anything or not. Rashard Matthews has been running in that number number one-two spot for all of camp, and Kendall Wright still hasn't played at all in the preseason from a hamstring injury. So we'll see how that wide receiver order picks. Shapes. I think Sharp is locked in, though. Oh, yeah.
3: And, Wes, you are all the way back in on DeMarco Murray. You wrote in our recap and what we learned, the Titans could boast the league's most unstoppable backfield tandem this season, uh, pairing, of course, with the rookie mm. Derek Henry. All the way back.
5: Ask David Amerson, the Raiders cornerback, if DeMarco Murray's back. He put an open field cut on Amerson that left him just – a mess, a puddle of mud on the on the field. He
4: he did, and yet I don't know if he's the best running back on this roster. I mean, oh, I
5: don't think he is.
4: Derrick Henry would be this year's Doug Martin, if not uh, if not for the guy in front of him, Demarco Murray, if not for Kristen Michael in Seattle. He has been so impressive. It's it's almost I don't know. It's almost hard to believe. I just want to see it. And you why want I some? Keep going. You want some fantasy advice?
1: Ooh. Yeah. This is for people that aren't in leagues with like total football heads. That that have watched the preseason, but I talked to two friends this weekend who did drafts, and in neither draft was Tajay Sharp drafted. Because mm. your average just jumping in guy who does other things and doesn't watch a lot of football has never heard of Tajay Sharp, and he picked him off off waivers for free. I so if you're in the, one of those leagues, keep, you I got know, him keep in the 15th field. round. Yeah, that, that's the fantasy
3: corner. Better late than ever. On well, the I'm, I'm not corner. talking
1: to the three of you because you're super savvy, <laughs> but just the guy out there doing regular drafts. Make sure he got, he gets picked. You're paying it forward.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another takeaway. I was already headed this way last year, but Marcus Mariota, my favorite quarterback to watch. If you see that open field option play, that's a thing of beauty.
3: Are yeah. we worried that he's going to get hurt doing too many of these running plays? He was beat up last year.
5: I think every time he got beat up last year was because his right tackle whiffed on a mm. on a block.
4: I I mean I'm got the coach fired. The Titans are getting. It's hard to resist the Titans right now. I mean, they are they are fun. Prettiest girl at the ball. Or at the ball. Well, I I'd argue, you know, Mariota and Winston, they both might be set up for monster. It's almost an underplayed story that these two guys, you know, a lot of talk about the rookie quarterbacks this year. The two rookies from last year could both be awesome.
5: Yes.
3: Moving on, gentlemen, the L.A. Rams and Denver Broncos played football. Uh, Jared Goff's still not ready, Mark. Right? It's not even close.
1: Yeah, I think it's not close, and I, you know. This is another example of the whispers that you hear for months creeping into complete reality. Because Goff, to me, there was something going on with him where one ball after the next, he was throwing to people, got the the target, the wide receiver, the tight end, crushed by people. Hospital balls. That the ball placement was an issue. He just looks to me kind of someone who's when you're underwater and you can't move instinctively. And it's like whether it's uh, there was a third down where he's – sliding for less, way less yardage than needed. And it's just he's not all there. He seemed to me to be mentally slow. And let's talk about how fragile he looks. I mean, he looks like if Sam Bradford went on, like, a three-week juice fast. <laughs> and then you put him out there against a defense. Like, what? I mean, i just be
5: very concerned well, about him physically. Let's, let's not get – it's not all dire news. I agree with you. I don't you. think he looks I, good at all. His biggest problem is what you said, that – It's all – he's computing right now. You can see the thought process happening instead of being instinctual. And once he gets, you know, once he gets prepared to play in the NFL, you could see some of those physical gifts coming out. But can't you see,
4: to Mark's point, the article next May saying, you know, Jared Goff has built up 15 pounds of muscle, quote – I, you know, I realized once I got into the league that you know my, my body. I thought I was prepared, but I just wasn't prepared enough. I didn't have enough strength. <laughs> he hasn't made it through two of the three performances. He, probably, he he has been taken
5: out early in two out of three games. Probably weighs seventy pounds more than Colin Kaepernick right now.
1: <laughs> I think you're right, though. He's probably set up for a second year jump, depending on how much we see from him this year, because he's just not ready for prime time yet. Well, you
4: you mentioned hospital balls. He literally, I, I believe Pharaoh Cooper hurt his shoulder on one of those uh, passes, and he's probably going to miss Week One now their number three receiver.
3: By the way, I just want to double back real quick because I don't want to shortchange any team. But, uh, Wes, with the Raiders, Latavius Murray was their main guy last year. It could be a little different this year, huh?
5: Yeah, I think so. And I think that the Raiders talked about this most of the offseason, that they wanted a compliment to him. I mean, I am not sold that Latavius Murray is a good running back. And I don't know if the Raiders are either. DeAndre Washington, whom they they drafted in the fifth round, looked really good. And Jalen Richard, who – or is it pronounced Rashard? Jalen Rashard. I, I barely ever heard Charre. of him before this game, and he looked great. I They're mean, they barely
1: s- didn't. They basically didn't play Murray in this game.
5: Well, I think it was because they want to see between Washington and Rashard which one's going to be their number two, and it could turn out that both of them eat into Murray's workload. Rashard has been the coaching staff has been raving about him all month, and and they play uh, Olawale, who's underrated. I think he's a good fullback, and
4: they use him as a tailback too. Between all those guys, I think it adds up to don't touch Latavius Murray in your fantasy draft.
3: And moving back to L.A. and Denver, but let's stay in the backfield because uh, rookie Devontae Booker uh, looks like the number two running back. Where does that leave Ronnie Hillman, guys?
1: Well, I think Ronnie Hillman, you, you know, depending on what, what they really want to do with each of these guys, that Ronnie Hillman is was a potential cut candidate. And as you look at his contract, he's a one-year deal with the Broncos right now. C.J. Anderson is their absolutely number one guy, no questions asked. And I think that Booker has shown himself to be easily – better than Ronnie Hillman mm-hmm. this preseason. Mm-hmm. Booker is an interesting running back who's only going to see more and more time with this offense. Ronnie Hillman may be your week one starter for the Washington Redskins. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I think that he Possibly. could be easily be moved. He had, a, he had a couple nice runs in this game, but
4: he's so clearly not their number two person. There's no questions asked at this point. By the way, I think, I think watching this game, Case Keenum, he knows what he's doing. He's, yes, he does. He's yep. crazy like a fox. He he knows all I needed to do this preseason was not make turnovers and I can just keep this job. Like, I'm not going to be too risky. I'm not going to be crazy Case Keenum. I'm just going to let everyone see what this rookie looks yeah, like, go, and I'm just going to do nothing. Go like 8-14 for 76 yards,
1: and you are Jeff Fisher fever dream <laughs> territory right there. He <laughs> loves it. It's an excellent plan
5: until you're playing the Seahawks <laughs> defense right. when <way> it matters. <laughs> right.
3: By the way, big week, speaking of the Rams for Hard Knocks, who they they are threatening – uh, to have a bottom third all-time <laughs> season for the series. Let's I'm just threatening it, not to watch it. Yeah, let's just keep it real here, Greg. I know you don't like any type of criticism about the show, but we got to be fair.
4: I, I, think that's, I, need a big show. I think that's true, but it's kind of like when The Sopranos were on. I'll take the worst episode of The Sopranos over just about anything else that's on. I am not so saying still make It still makes me happy.
3: I'm just saying whether it wants to be a top five or bottom five all-time Hard Knock Season. We're gonna episode oh. four on Tuesday is gonna be a big well, top five. Season. I, I to agree
1: w- with you. I watched. I've w- I'm caught up, and I I agree with that take. They had there's some pressure
3: on them. Could be I bottom agree. three. Let's no, keep I it real. agree. I agree with you. Let's see. I'm Not counting it out yet. You know,
4: it's like picking the best. You know, and worst Tom Brady seasons.
3: Why are you even got to have a worst? <laughs> that was the year after he blew out his knee.
2: <laughs> you know what? Uh, the best part about all this stuff you guys talking about. Oh, today? what's up, Irish? You can't. <laughs> Oh hey Dan, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? The best part is there's NFL Game Pass where you can go back oh, and watch right. these games.
3: Uh, we were told we need to organically work in. We already well, that did. was
4: organic.
2: We
3: already
4: did, even without even you noticing.
3: We, we said, you said that to, you should we we go to NFL.com dot com slash Game to NFL Pass to start a free day, free seven day trial. Uh, bullet point live out of market preseason games. Bullet point game replays during the regular season. We said all that. And what you want Not to all do of that, is you want to watch oh.
5: that Game Pass. You want to dial up the Tennessee Titans. There you go.
3: There you go. How you like that, shuttle League? Figures. Keep
5: tying
4: some Hey, blocks, here's a right. fact. Give us back some pon-pon-pon. Here's a fact. There's maybe not an NFL product that exists that we've used more over the years than NFL Game Pass.
3: That's fair, dog. Uh, moving on, San Diego and Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater didn't play in week two of the preseason. People were wondering, ooh, what's going on with that? But he looked okay, Mark, didn't he, this week? <laughs> yes, Still in my uh, ad reading, uh. <laughs> Yes, mentality. that
1: was that was nice. I think the highlight for him was a he ran a very nice two-minute drill right before the half where he hit Charles Johnson for 19 yards. All people saying that Teddy Bridgewater can't throw the ball downfield hits uh, Diggs for 22, then Kyle Rudolph for a 27-yard touchdown. One, two, three. Now I think with the with the Vikings, they seem like a team to me that wants to win games 17 to 14. I mean, they had two failed red zone drives that went into field goal territory because. Of Bridgewater to some degree, so I think Bridgewater's still a. I still think it was a work in progress. But there's a lot around him, and they're the kind of team. Their defense outside of their run defense, a little concerning. But the Vikings, I do think they're a very complete team with a lot of big issues. Your they're, NFC, your NFC. They are my team in the darling.
3: NFC. They're darling. I mean, they're. Both I'm a
1: little concerned, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go that way.
5: Stefan Diggs certainly looks like Bridgewater's go-to guy.
1: Yeah, well, Treadwell has not really. Played that role. Tread rolled a nice catch uh, later in the game. Um, but yeah, I'd say Diggs is this number one guy.
3: And on the San Diego side, you know, Spice Rack Redemption Tour, um, he gets up back on this podcast if Melvin Gordon runs for 1,000 yards this season. It's going to happen. Mark. I think it might. Are we going to hear from Spice Rack again? On I think the show? it might.
1: I mean, he's got the, he had a nicely 39 yard burst up the middle for a touchdown. We've seen the big plays from Gordon you know, time and again. I don't know about him as every single carry. There's a couple carries with him where what happened right there, but he's, he's not the guy from last year.
4: They, they're trusting him more to make those plays. Big, big week uh, for Spice Rack. Got mentioned by Evan Silva.
3: Maybe uh, not the most positive. Gordon with a long
4: touchdown. And Jonathan Williams, his sleeper, had a long touchdown too. That's
3: well, true. Gordon's
4: not the
5: tiptoe burglar anymore.
3: Mark, you like that new uh, facility up there in Minneapolis.
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking of Game Pass, my I judge games generally on, do I, would I have to watch this again? Is it just hard on the eyes? And I th- for being what's, it's not a dome. It's a enclosed but very tons of natural light. The field looks good. There's good energy in there. I'm a big um, fan of that, that stadium. Much more
5: light, not nearly as dank as most domes.
4: Not at all. It's hard to make a, a football stadium unique, and this one looks pretty it's, cool.
5: I mean, you know, sometimes they oh,
1: you get a Super Bowl because you just built a new stadium. Well, this one looks like this will be fun to go to.
3: But are there live out-of-market preseason games available? Game Pass?
1: <laughs> that uh, uh, someone else can answer.
3: I think no. There are.
1: There are absolutely. What is it? What a live out-of-game market. <laughs> what does that even mean?
3: No, like if you're in LA, can you watch the Vikings? Oh, please, of course you could. Against the Packers in Minnesota, of course you could, unless that's you true. signed up for the that's a live that that out-of-market preseason game. Oh, preseason game only. Game replays during the regular season, so you can't watch it live. But Monday morning, start firing away.
1: I mean, if we get a sponsor, the spots will be
3: this smooth yeah,
1: and this, you know.
3: Per- well, Rusty, you never get us any ads. We got to check with McDonald's, and everybody's flying high, you know, flyboys all over the place. Cinderblocks. You know, we got nothing.
5: We got cinder blocks.
3: All right, keep moving. We will get through this. Arizona <laughs> yeah. at Houston.
5: We're still doing this. Yes, Carson
3: Palmer. <laughs> Through more interceptions. (laughs) You're not worried about it, though, Greg, are you?
4: No. Let's move on to the regular season. A couple tip passes. He had a nice drive. And the the Cardinals, they owned it. They didn't care about the preseason. They said they weren't taking it seriously. So I'm not going to take it seriously either. We're
3: going to give Bruce Arians the benefit of the doubt.
5: Bruce Aarons handed over play calling to Harold Goodwin right. for most of the month. Let's You can't judge anything. Not, it,
4: I totally agree. I'm not worried. David Johnson looked good. They did make a nice drive when they needed to. I think the Texans probably feel good uh, that they had such a positive game. If I was concerned about the Cardinals, it would definitely be on defense, not on offense anyways, especially at cornerback. They lost Mike Jenkins for the season, and uh, the Texans carved them up. What are you laughing at? Well, it's at? the first game that Brock Osweiler looked. <laughs> I
3: thought this was supposed to be quick. Somewhat soft. Mike Jenkins <laughs> was going to make
5: the team in the first place.
4: Bruce Arians literally said he might start last week.
5: Yeah, uh, several guys might start. Just like Geno Smith might have started for a while.
3: Any comments, <laughs> by the way, about the um, Houston quarterback situation?
5: He had a nice game, going deep down the field. I think his first won't
4: even nice say his game, game is like preseason. Bill Purcell talking about Brock DL. Osweiler.
3: Oh, what about Tom Savage? Ah. Oh.
4: He's, he's looked good this preseason. Tom
3: Savage is real. Tom Savage is real. Finally, Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Uh, oh, by the way, just one more uh, point. This last bit. Uh, Harold Goodwin was given play-calling duties for Arizona, as you said. Every week of the preseason, they've been giving play-calling duties to a different Harold. Week one, it was Harold Ramis. Week two, it was Harold Baines. Harold Bates, wow. <laughs> yeah.
5: One of the greatest designated hitters in history. Next, what? Week four, they're out of
3: Harold's. So. Harold Reynolds? Harold Reynolds, week mm. four, HR. Finally.
5: <laughs> a very odd decision by the Cardinals.
3: Cincinnati and Jacksonville. A.J. Green hurt his knee. He's okay. Andy Dalton looks okay. He's good. Or is he, Greg?
4: <laughs> I didn't take much of anything from this game. I like Blake Bortles' uh, interview with Michelle Tavoya. That was my favorite part of the game. Dan, oh, I do believe, we have that? I believe that you, you wrote a
5: thing
3: about that. I did write around the end around. Let's hear what Bortles had to say about the Jacksonville offense, which had really played well the first two weeks but came down to earth only a couple of first downs and a half. Uh,
0: Well, we played pretty bad. Um, you know, I don't think they did a whole lot of things to stop us. We played pretty bad uh, at every position, and usually that's what happens when you play bad.
4: Uh, you don't score a lot of points. That made that's me, it. That made me like Blake a little more. Yeah, he's keeping it real.
1: Maybe like them. I think Greg is. You're underselling the Bengals a little bit. They looked very sharp last night.
4: They looked incredible. No team could survive as many significant injuries as they've had this preseason. They've had about as many injuries as anyone, and yet their roster's so deep it hasn't hasn't hurt them.
3: All right, that was Week Three recap. We won't go as in depth uh, with Week Four, but since it was the dress rehearsal, as they call we it, definitely
4: will not go game by game with Week Four.
3: No, we promise you, we will not go week uh, week by week. By the way, when, game by game, but on Wednesday. Uh, the entire show will be dedicated to the rest of our AFC preview. So stay tuned for around the majority of the AFC in 42 minutes coming up on Wednesday show.
4: Because we already did the AFC East.
3: We did the East. Now we're going to knock out those last three divisions. Uh, and next week, our sandwich props and all sorts of fun. Uh, oh, and before we go... What was that, Irish?
2: Uh, I was just reminding you that we didn't get our Type 54.
3: Oh. What do we have?
2: Where are we at? Just a smidgen over at 113. (laughs) Could that be because of the
1: 25-minute game pass uh, spot that we were asked to do?
3: That would be a good boogeyman, but no. It's just that we can't stop talking. Hey, there's always the next show.
4: We've turned into what we... What we didn't want to be, yep, just a bunch of over bloviators, overpaid bloviators. Line up sponsors.
5: <laughs> Part of that is true.
3: <laughs> All right, that's it. This is Dan Hansa signing off for <laughs> Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, I'll see it in Irish behind the glass till Wednesday.